welcome to episode 18 of Talking About My Generation, a pop culture podcast dedicated to children of the 80s, 90s, and even into the 21st century. If you're new to the show, welcome. On this podcast, we will discuss movies, video games, and television shows that we grew up on. Now, this week here, again, I'm joined by my co-host, Eva Stanley. Uh, we are going to be talking about a movie going all the way back to 1978. Uh Kind of the start, really, of the coming-of-age films, the frat movies, the college-type yes. films. Yep. Uh, big, big movie in the, way of, in the way of those types of films. We're going to be talking about National Lampoon's Animal House. All right. Uh, what, were, what were your thoughts, Eva? Um, you know what? I grew up on this movie. Um, this was one of my mother's favorite movies, and she used to always tell me about, because it came out in 1978. I was born in June of 1977, and she basically told me that she and my dad had gone out for their first post-baby date to go see that movie at the drive-in theater, and they just laughed their asses off, and they were just so happy to get out of the house and get away from me for, for an evening. So wow, what you know, a she, you were. <laughs> things you know she always had the movie and so I grew up watching it and I I mean of course as a kid I didn't understand a lot of the humor a lot of the potty talk a lot of the you know sexual innuendos and all of that um but you know it was you know seeing my mom laugh and you know as I got older I started to understand it more and got to appreciate the humor or whatever but uh yeah this is something you know this is a movie that's kind of near and dear to me definitely I've probably seen it I don't even know how many hundreds of times so, of course, I didn't, you know, wasn't able to watch it to prepare for the podcast, so I'm hoping that I remember bits and pieces and trivia and stuff. I feel like a dumbass because I thought I had the DVD, and I searched the house, and yeah, I, I cannot find it, and I have well, the VHS, but I don't have the capability of playing a video anymore. See, so this, this is our problem. This is our generation's problem. We got... You know, I know. We'll have two different formats and nothing that can play it anymore. Exactly, exactly. And I'm just like, I know I had this movie. Where the hell is it? And yeah. so I just, I was tearing the house apart because I want to be prepared for these podcasts. And, yeah. you know, and, I, I, like I said, I mean, I've seen it so many times, but yeah. I, you know, there's, you know, memorable quotes and there's, you know, outfits and soundtrack. And there's so many things that I wanted to, you know, kind of oh, get yeah. refamiliar with. But, I'll well, do my best. I am going to bring up a mention here. Since you said VHS, I'm going to tell you kids, <laughs> you kids who are listening to this who have no idea what a VHS tape is. Exactly. It's a big black thing, kind of <laughs> kind of square, looks like a big paperback book. Okay, yes, we used was. to actually watch things called movies on them. <laughs> exactly. Oh, God, yes. Doesn't that make you feel old? <laughs> oh, it totally does. I mean, we have, you know, we have the capability. We have a DVD-VCR combo. But my, you know, even my daughter's like, "What is that? I, I, <laughs> what, what do you put in here? I don't understand." And I'm like, "Yeah, <laughs> you put a peanut butter sandwich in and you let it run." <laughs> oh, exactly. I think I think I think there was a time I, I, when she was probably three, and I did have. I think I had Wizard of Oz or something on VHS, and I didn't have it on DVD, and I wanted to show it to her, so I played it for her, and she was just, like, mesmerized, like, wow, that thing is really big, and I'm like, yeah, and then she's <laughs> sitting there, and then, of course, because, you know, in the beginning, how it has the FBI warning, and then it has previews and all that, she's sitting there, she's going, Mom, where's the movie, you know, after about five minutes of previews, and she's just like, <laughs> what is going on? I'm like, 
Oh yeah, well, honey, that's this is right. the way things go. We have to. We, back in our day, we had to sit here and watch all this crap. Exactly. We or, or sit there and fast forward through. But she's just like, "Mom," and she was so mad. "Mom, what's going on here? Yeah. Why is the movie not playing?" And I just remember just thinking, "Oh my god, generation gap. This is too freaking funny." And I'm just sitting there and like getting impatient, fast forwarding through the 15 minutes of previews and whatever, and just yeah. like, "Oh, DVDs are so much better." But yeah, it's um yeah I I apologize. I'm hoping that I can draw enough from memory. Um, But I I love the movie. I think it was for its time um, and for the era that it, and the, you know, I think it was, it was supposed to be in like the mid sixties or or early sixties that it was portrayed, right? Mm -hmm. 1962. Um, And I think they they did a wonderful job, you know, with the outfits and the soundtrack and like the jokes and um, just, yeah, the whole, you know, frat vibe. And I, I love it. I'm going to say this. I, it was not one of my favorite films. And I think that the really? main reason for this is that I, I, you know, for me, I didn't see this movie until about, about, uh, what, two, three years ago. Oh, really? I'd never seen, oh. I'd never seen all the movie. Part of it was oh. that my parents, when I was growing up, they always thought that this was like the horrible movie for you to see. It was like, oh. I, we don't want you to see it because it, it you know, it, it's just all yeah. debauchery and all that. You know, yeah. drinking and debauchery. I get that, you know. Yeah. But I figured, what the hell? I'm going to see it. I may as well. I had seen, you know, and this is the other thing is that I saw movies like Van Wilder. Uh, yeah. American, you know, the American Pie films. American Pie. Revenge and, of the Nerds. Exactly. Porkies. And yes. yeah. All, yes. I had seen those movies. So I thought, okay, well, if this is supposed to be worse, you know, it, it's because, again, this is the picture that my parents are painting in my head, that this yeah. thing is supposed to be absolutely horrible. So I'm thinking. Yes. Oh my God, do I really want to see this? Mm-hmm. You know, and so I, I finally sat down. I, I rented it through Netflix back when they still had the, you know, the streaming and the discs that you could get. Yeah. Uh-huh. I got it on disc and I sat down and watched it. It was like, really? What the yeah, hell? But, you know, this is but, nothing. Yeah, you know, I think in, I, I'm thinking about it too, coming into it as an adult. I could see because you're comparing it to other more raunchy, more funny. Yeah movies now but yeah for its time definitely you know pushed a lot of you know buttons and it definitely set the standard for these movies that we are so familiar with now that that it did yeah and my mom because my mom told me that she and my father just laughed their asses off laughed their way through the entire movie and you know i there are a lot of ha-ha moments to it but yeah compared compared to american pie it's definitely not as in my opinion, it's 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 cute, and there are funny parts to it, but it's not as ha ha funny as other movies, for sure. Um, but yeah, it's just interesting that you know. I think now I want to say, was this the very first National Lampoon's movie? I believe so. I yeah. believe so. I, I uh-huh. was trying to look to find that out. I couldn't really find anything out about it that specifically, but I believe that this was the first. I one. believe it was. Yeah, nineteen seventy. I believe it was. Um, so, you know, it, it set the standard for, you know, National Lampoon's Vacation and you know, Van Wilder and all the other ones. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I just because my mom had a fondness for it and because she had it. And my mom, I have to admit, she was the kind of you know mom where she flat out told me, you know, if you let the F-bomb slip, I'm not going to spank your ass. Just don't make a habit of it. You know, she was very right. cool. You know, if you, if you want to have a drink or smoke pot, let me know. You can do it in the house. You know, she was, you know, she grew up in the sixties. She was totally loose and, you know, it was like, you know what, you know, just come to me and let's communicate. 
you know, she, you know, didn't mind cussing in front of me every once in a while. If I, you know, if I cussed and I, you know, I would feel bad and feel like, oh God, I'm going to get the wrath. She would just be like, okay, it's cool. I'll let that one slide, you know? So watching things like Animal House and, you know, I watched um, that movie Halloween when I was four and got scared to death, you know, and she feels bad about it now. She was watching it, happened to be in the room, but she, maybe she just wasn't that aware of, you know, the things that kids pick up. She had me when she was, you know, 20 years old, very young. Um, but yeah, she was definitely kind of laid back and she knows I was good. You know, she knew, and she's like, I know you're going to get exposed to this stuff regardless of me. Anyway, you're going to go to school. You're going to pick up a bunch of stuff, you know, that's just the way it is. You know, I'm not going to shield you from stuff. You're, you know, I'd rather you experience it here in the house. So very cool. Very cool. You know, I could, I could have done without seeing the nudity and, you know, (laughs) well, I I gotta admit that seeing some of it was kind of interesting. And there's some points I'll bring up about that later on here as we, as we start getting into it. Uh, Mm -hmm. But a couple of things that I do want to bring up about this film uh, when it came out, basically, a lot of the critics kind of mm. felt the same way that I did, is that, hey, uh-huh. you know, it, it's got some great things, eh, but it's not really one of our favorites. Uh, yeah, yeah. Time and Roger Ebert, they proclaimed it one of the year's best. Uh, uh-huh. It was actually filmed for only $2.7 million, which at that time, that was like unheard of for how low it was. Oh, uh, yeah. And it's actually been one of the most profitable films of all time. Uh-huh. Uh, it actually... It actually made over 141 million for it. Uh, so wow. in the form of you know merchandising, videos, DVDs, yes. all that stuff. Oh wow, that's crazy. So you know it, it's it's really been good. That plus the fact that uh, you know it came out alongside uh, you know 1977's Kentucky Fried Movie. Those two uh-huh. movies were really what helped to set this whole uh, gross-out genre of films. Yes. Yes. Uh, it became one of Hollywood's staples. It's still, you know, e- even now, it's still considered one of the top films in that genre. Uh, Most people know this movie. They're familiar with it. They can quote quotes from it. They, oh, yeah. you know, it's well, definitely one of those kind of cult favorites where, you know, I don't even really know if cult is the right word, but it just, people people know this movie. They're familiar with it, even if they've yeah. never seen it all the way through. Well, here's so, the thing with that. Being cultural, being cult type film, it, it's actually gotten... Uh, in 2001, the U.S. Library of Congress, they deemed Animal House culturally, historically, or aesthetically significant. And they actually, really? set it, they actually set it for preservation in the National Film Registry. No uh, way. So it, it's been around for that. It's been number one on Bravo's 100 Funniest Movies. It was 36 uh-huh. on AFI's 100 Years, 100 Laughs list on uh-huh. the 100 Best American Films, Comedies. Uh, uh-huh. And in 2008, Empire Magazine selected it as one of the 500 greatest movies of all time. Very cool. So, it, pretty good in that respect, if you think about it. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. So, uh, let's go ahead. We'll jump into the cast a little bit here so we, sure. we kind of know who we're talking about here with the film. There's mm-hmm. quite a few people in this. Quite uh, a few. I, I'm going I'm to be honest. I'm leaving out some of the characters here because I didn't really feel that they were that big. Yes, so, yes. Uh Starting off here, basically, the, the one of the main guys that everybody recognizes from this film, because he was really, he had started and established himself in this film, uh-huh. uh, John Belushi. John Belushi. I think this was his breakout role, wasn't it? Uh, well, no, he'd actually had some stuff. He, he'd actually gotten stuff before this with, uh, uh, 
Saturday Night Live. That was really where he was becoming big, and everybody knew That's him from. That's true. Y- yes, yes. Uh, I'm and, talking about his bra- his breakout movie role, right? This is probably, his first movie role. Yeah, yeah. I, I I know that he had some others before this. Uh, I, I, you know, I unfortunately I didn't write them down. Stuff that he did before Animal House. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but he did do, uh, he did do uh, 1941, which was one of Spielberg's very first films. Oh, okay, uh, yes, yes. He basically kind of played. Uh, there's, there's a scene in 1941 where basically what the mo- what that movie is is that Southern California thinks that they're going to be attacked by the Japanese, and it happens uh-huh. basically right after Pearl Harbor. Uh-huh. So everybody's kind of in this whole, oh my god, you know we're going to be attacked, and and John yeah. Belushi is running around. And he's he's putting on a helmet and he's running around with this helmet outside, mm-hmm. you know, and he's getting ready to fire anti aircraft cannons at you know the supposed you know Japanese invasion that's supposed to be hitting Southern California and never does. Uh huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so they they think that that's what's going on. Uh, you know, of course, he also did show up on SNL, and then after mm-hmm. SNL, after he did Animal House, shortly before his death, one of his other big roles was that he played as uh, Joliet G- Joliet Jake Blues in Blues Brothers. That's right. Uh, but yeah, yep. he he played in this movie. He plays as John Bluto Blukarski. Yeah. Uh, who's basically just he's kind of a drunken degenerate with his own style. You know, when we first oh, totally. see him, the very first time we see him, he's standing outside. Pissing in the bushes of the animal yes, house. So, exactly. Of the frat he, he house. He pulled that off so well. Oh, that, oh he was great yeah. in this movie. Was... Want a beer? Don't cost <laughs> nothing. <laughs> <laughs> he was great. So, uh, moving on, we next guy we have, Tim Matheson. Yeah, uh, I love he, him. He played as Eric Otter Stratton. Yep. Uh, kind of just this whole smooth playboy uh his room is kind of this seduction den to bring women in. I love it. Oh, it was great. And he was so like, he thought he was so suave and it was just like, Oh God, well, get me with a spoon. I loved it. The fact that you were able to, he was able to walk around and you see like his room is perfect and clean and pristine compared to everything yeah. else in the animal house. I know, know, in the exactly. frat house. So, uh, uh, you know, he was, he's the, fr- he's the frats, uh, rush chairman. Uh, yep. Essentially, the the unofficial leader because you know everybody else is kind of like goofing around. So yeah, he kind of he kind of did kind of run the show a little bit. He everyone kind of followed him. It was he was kind of the leader. I'd, I'd have to say. Yeah. Now he yeah. has appeared in a bunch of various films and TV yes. series. Uh, yes. He one of his earliest roles he played as Griff King on Bonanza. Yep. Uh, for more recent roles, he was uh, the senator and vice president John Hoynes on The West Wing. Yep. And to kind of throw back to these Animal House roots, uh, he played as Van Wilder Sr. in National Lampoon's Van Wilder. Yes, he did. Yeah. Which I thought was kind of funny. And I think that they did that as a nod. You know. Oh, it totally, totally did. Yeah. Very cool. So uh, next guy we have Peter Reigert as Donald Boone Schoenstein. Yep. Please. And I apologize if I'm mispronouncing the last name, but you know I'm not I, I'm not good on Jewish names. I apologize. Yeah. Uh, but he was basically Otter's best friend. Uh, yep. He was kind of forced to decide between his Delta pals and his girlfriend Katie. Uh-huh. Uh huh. He Rygert's shown up in a bunch of things since uh, since this. He he's been uh, he was on The Sopranos and as, as Assemblyman Ron Zellman. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, he showed up as Lieutenant Mitch Kellaway uh, in The Mask. He was basically tracking Stanley Ipkiss. So uh-huh. if you've ever seen The Mask, he's like running around going, I'm going to get you, Ipkiss. Uh-huh. Um, and he was also Dr. August Kellerman on One Tree Hill. That's right. So little little bit of tidbits in there. Uh, we'll definitely get to him because when we go through the, the plot of the movie, he's kind of one of these more major roles. Yeah. Uh, next, we have some of the pledges here. Uh, we have Tom Hulse, Thomas Hulse as Lawrence Pinto Kroger. Uh-huh. Um, he was, he's kind of this shy, normal fellow. Um, yeah. Kind of a sweet, kind of a sweet I nerdy guy. Him. You know, just goofy. Kind of like, you know, he didn't quite understand what was going on. Um, <laughs> he was so sweet. I loved him. Yeah. You know, Tom, he's been really known for, uh, he's probably best known for his roles in Amadeus, where he played as Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart. Yes, that's right. Um, uh, he was also... For any any of you who are Disney fans, uh, you've probably seen The Hunchback of Notre Dame. He was the oh. voice of The Hunchback. He was the voice of Quasimodo. Oh, wow. I didn't I, You know what? It's been years since I've seen that, but you're right. Yeah, cool. he's he's been... Every time that they have Quasimodo for Disney, he is the voice of Quasimodo. So Very cool. Uh-huh. Uh, and then he also played as Larry Buckman in uh, the movie Parenthood. Yes. So... You know, if you've ever seen that with Steve Martin and Rick Moranis yep. and everybody under the sun, it seems like. Yep. He's in that film. Very cool. Uh, moving down the list, we have Stephen First. Uh, mm-hmm. He played as Kent Flounder Dorfman. Yeah. Uh, he's the, he's the little fat too. He's a little fat guy who runs <laughs> around. Uh, his big thing in this movie is that he pukes on the dean. But <laughs> Yes, that was awesome. I puked awesome. in front of the dean. No, you puked on the dean. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, he his other roles, uh, he actually showed up. Uh, he was Dr. Elliot Axelrod on St. Elsewhere. Oh, uh, uh-huh. He did the voice of Hathi the Elephant on Jungle Cubs. Mm-hmm. Uh, for you, for those of you who are big Babylon 5, uh, big Babylon 5 fans, uh, he was Veer Koto on Babylon 5. Oh, uh, wow. I, I have to admit, guys, I'm... You know, I'm going to have to turn in my geek card a little bit because I've never seen an episode of Babylon 5. So. Uh, neither have I. <laughs> <sighs> yeah, I'm probably going to catch yeah. flack for that. And I apologize. Yeah. It's not that I don't want to watch the show. It's yeah. just that I don't have the time right now. I want to watch it. It's just trying to find the time, guys. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. you know, I'm picking between stuff like Doctor Who or, you know, it's Doctor Who or Babylon 5. Which one am I going to pick? I'm sorry, guys. I'm going with Doctor Who. <laughs> nice. Uh, but, yeah, he was also the voice of... Uh, again, going on the Disney thing, uh, he was the voice of both Booster and Blister on the uh, TV series Buzz Lightyear of Star Command. Oh, uh-huh. And he was also Albert Iannuzzi in The Dream Team with Michael Keaton and Christopher oh, Lloyd. Very cool. So if you ever saw that with, you know, four guys who are supposed to be in a mental institution, they break out, he's one of the characters. I don't think I've seen that. It's not that great a movie, but oh, it's not okay. bad. Yeah, it's one of those. I mean, is it view worthy? Just like just to say, hey, I've seen it. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's not bad. It's 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 Michael Keaton being Michael Keaton. Christopher Lloyd yeah. is uptight and afraid of everything. Uh-huh. Uh huh. You know, the dream in uh, you know Stephen First's character. He's kind of this quiet type of person who doesn't really talk. He doesn't say anything throughout the movie uh-huh. except to whisper huh. in people's ears. 
Oh, how weird. Okay. So, I mean, you don't actually see him saying anything. He's more there on screen as, as visual type. Uh, huh. It's okay, but not, you know, not a great film. But, okay. Uh, so moving down the list, next guy here, I, as soon as I saw him, I recognized him. I'm like, oh my God, I've seen this guy in so many things. Yeah. Uh, guy is a, he's a total character actor, Bruce McGill. Uh, uh-huh. He plays as Daniel Simpson Day or D-Day. Yes, yes. Uh, he basically is a tough biker type. He's got no grade point average at all. All of his classes are incomplete. <laughs> Dean pulls that out and makes, makes comments of that when, you're, that when he's ripping That takes talent, in. doesn't it? Oh, oh yeah. You know. <laughs> uh, he's really just shown up in so many different roles. It's really hard to point them all out. So I'm going to kind of limit it to a few that I recognized him on. Yes, please do. Uh, I'm curious. He showed up on MacGyver. Uh, he had a recurring role huh? on MacGyver as Jack Dalton. Okay. Uh, he was Sheriff Farley in My Cousin Vinny. He was! Yep, yep. Oh my gosh. Uh, yes. So yeah, you're, you're going, oh my god, I remember this now. <laughs> I remember this now, yeah. You, you don't remember his name, but you always remember his face, and that's the yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Um, he played as Walter Hagen in The Legend of Bagger Vance. I never uh, saw that. Okay, I'll have to see that. Yeah, it's it's an okay film. Okay. Uh, Will Smith and, and Matt, uh, Matt Damon kind of playing a golf game, and... He's getting tips from Will Smith, so yeah. Okay. Um, he also played as Judge Harkin in Runaway Jury, uh-huh. and he showed up in the Oscar-nominated Lincoln as Edwin Stanton. Yes, he did. Very cool. So, just for those of you who are looking for him, you can see mm. him in a bunch of things. Very nice. Uh, now, next guy we have down the list is James Widows. Uh, he he is Robert Hoover in this film. Uh-huh. Um, and he's the affable, reasonably clean-cut president of the fraternity uh, who desperately struggles to maintain a facade of normality uh, to placate the dean. He's kind of like the whole, oh, well, I'm sorry, dean. I, you know, I, I understand. He's not really the leader. He, he's kind of there, but he's more of like, you know, a figurehead. Yeah, yeah. And, uh-huh. you know, he's the one that decides that, hey, when, when they all are – you know, he's trying to play the lawyer when they're all in the kangaroo court scene and being thrown out. Uh, uh, he was kind of like the voice of reason, I think. I think he was kind of the, yeah. 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 You know, I mean, he's probably, he's the one who's at the top of his fraternity with grade point average. He's only got a 1.6, but he's, exactly. he's passing <laughs> to some extent. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but yeah, James, James is, uh, he's been not so much in front of the camera. He's had a couple of memorable roles in front of the camera. Uh, but uh-huh. more so, he's been doing a lot of directing. Uh, now, with oh, regards okay. to what he has done in front of the camera that people would recognize him from, uh, he plays as Stan Pembroke on Charles in oh. Charge. Oh my gosh! Um, he also I was, that show. yeah, he was also Don Tobin in Greetings from Tucson, which was kind of this horrible little TV series that kind of just <laughs> over and done with. Uh-huh. Uh huh. He most mostly what he's known for with his directing. Uh, he's been a director on Two and a Half Men, Till Death, According mm-hmm. to Jim, and uh, King mm-hmm. of Queens. He's directed quite a few of those episodes. Wow, I did not know that. Very so, cool. You know, yeah. he's kind of like Peter Billingsley. Everybody wonders whatever happened to him, and Peter Billingsley yes. just decided, instead of being in front of the camera, to step behind it. Yeah, very cool. So James has kind of done the same thing. So don't nice. worry about him, guys. He is still alive. He's still out there kicking and doing work. <laughs> very nice. Uh now, James Dotton, who's the next guy down the list, he plays I, – I hated this guy. Uh, he plays as Greg Marmalard. 
And he's yeah. the president of Omega House, who basically yeah. hates the Deltas. You know, he's uh-huh. he kisses ass to the Dean. Uh, he was, oh, that's right. I hated his guts, but he did, he did it so well. Yeah, you know, and he was the boyfriend of Mandy Pepperidge, who we'll, we'll get to Mandy and, and uh, Babs later on. Uh-huh. Uh, Dotton really didn't have a whole lot of roles in front of the camera. He's been kind of one of these little spot characters and animal uh-huh. house is really kind of his big claim to fame. Yeah. Uh, he, he had, uh, he played as Dennis on the TV series V. Uh-huh. Uh, he was Bob Hodges on spies like us. Uh-huh. Uh, and he played a minister on, on murder. She wrote and again, you kind of see him and you're kind of like, Oh, I recognize him, but that's uh-huh. about it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing really memorable other than animal house. As far as I can say. Uh-huh. Uh next guy down the list we have Mark Metcalf who played as Niedermeyer, Douglas C. Oh, Niedermeyer. I love him. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, everybody seems to remember Niedermeyer in this film because he was just kind of this ROTC asshole. Oh, big time. So over the top. You it know? was it was excellent. Yeah. He's the one that if if you guys have seen the film, he's the one that at the beginning he starts yelling at Flounder and the guys start hitting golf balls at him. And they, they tag his horse, and his horse runs away and starts dragging him behind him. Yep. So that's Niedermeyer. That's Niedermeyer's awesome. just kind of this ass. Uh, he he kind of reprised his role in some in some movies. He There was this horrible, horrible, horrible film with Tom Arnold called The Stupids. <laughs> and it was oh, kind I've of supposed to be... I've heard of it, but be, I never saw it. Yeah, know? don't. Just don't. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it was kind of supposed to be a breakout role for Tom Arnold and like, his big thing after being married to Roseanne. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, the the fact uh, that the title of the film is called the stupids, that should give that's... you an idea of how stupid this film is. Oh, totally. Uh, but he kind of replies, reprises his role as Colonel Niedermeyer. Uh, and you know, he gets his ass kicked in there. Uh, he also did show up as both angel and Buffy or showed up in both angel and Buffy as the master. Uh, oh, okay. So if you ever watch those TV series there, he's kind of showing up in those. Um, he did have that particular role. Okay. Uh, next guy, he's been in a shitload of things. We've yes, seen him all over. Yep. Uh, in fact, he's gotten so many roles in so many movies that we all play this game called Six Degrees of Kevin Bacon. Absolutely. Uh, Kevin Bacon played as Chip Diller, who was a smarmy Omega Pludge. Uh, yep. Trampled at the very end of the movie, they actually trampled him, and you see him his body laying flat. And they actually did this whole thing where they cut his head out to stick up out of the cement, and his hands that were there, and so they had this like completely flat body to look for. Oh yeah, was that his? That was his first movie role, wasn't yes, it? Yes, very first yeah. on-screen role. Uh, he's gone on to do so many more things than oh, this. Oh, totally, um, he's one of my favorite actors. You know, yeah. Just to give you guys a small sampling, he's been in Apollo thirteen, X Men First Class, yep. Wild Things. Uh, the River mm-hmm. Wild, JFK, yep. The yep. Air Up There, Tremors. Uh, you know, the list the just Tremors? goes on and on and on. Oh, totally, yeah. So, I mean, if, and, and, you know, yeah, Footloose. And if you guys ever want to play, it, this is something I probably should do at some point in time, is have a little bit on the show where we do a Six Degrees of Kevin Bacon from any one of the I main movie actors. That. We've got to do that. I haven't played this in years. Oh, yeah. I, I used to be so good <laughs> at it. I mean, I used to be able to do things where I'd take uh, – you know, I would take things like Ecto-1 or uh-huh. you know, the Statue of Liberty and link it back to Kevin Bacon. 
Holy so, crap. <laughs> oh yeah, well, well, okay, for example, let me do Ecto-1 for you guys. It's really quick, okay? We have Ecto-1, which was in Ghostbusters, Ghostbusters 2, okay? That was in the movie with Dan Aykroyd. Dan Aykroyd was with Tom Hanks in a movie called Dragnet. And now Tom Hanks was with Kevin Bacon in Apollo 13. There you there go. There you go. <laughs> okay, so it's just a matter of knowing some of the major actors because Kevin Bacon's been in so many. It's knowing what other major actors have been in other roles and linking yes. off of those. Uh-huh. Yeah, so, he's I mean, done a ton of shit. He's even doing – he's doing a show now that's awesome. It's called The Following on on Fox. Uh and it's on. It's a awesome show. I, I, my husband and I absolutely love it. And if it just finished. I remember first correctly. I think that that got canned. <laughs> did it really? I think it did. I'd have to go I back and look for sure. I love that show. Oh, I hope it didn't get canned. I love that show. <gasps> oh well, wait. It was either that or it was the the um, Kiefer Sutherland show that they had come out with for Touch or something like that. Okay, I'm hoping it wasn't the following because that was a really good show. I'd have to go back and look, but it's like, I want to say it's one of those, you know, where it's kind of this hard edge type, you know, weird, weird, uh, paranormal type feel for it. And I think that the following had kind of that going on. It did. It did. It was basically Kevin Bacon was an ex FBI trying to catch a serial killer that's really obsessed with Edgar Allan Poe. And it's very, it's, it's very dark and very, um, suspenseful and he plays it really really well he's a he's you know got some problems in his life and he it just it's a really really good show and it just kind of sucks you in from it just finished its first season uh not too long ago and my husband and i were just brought in from the get-go it was just like this is really good so i'm hoping it did not get canceled i'm gonna have to look at that and after we're done i'm yeah. gonna <laughs> for any of you <laughs> listeners who who watch the show, please let us know. I, I haven't looked it up, so please go yeah, ahead and tell us. Very, I, th- I think you would like it. Kevin Bacon's excellent in anything he does, really. So, but yeah, this is... Well, there's certain things of Kevin Bacon that I did that I wish I had not seen, like, you know, his weenie and wild things, but... You know, really I've forgotten about that. that. <laughs> Trust me, it's one of those things that I haven't forgotten because I can't get it out of my head. Much as I'd oh. love to, I can't get the vision of seeing Kevin, you know, Kevin Bacon's dick on screen. <laughs> uh, moving right oh. along from that, <laughs> the next guy we're going to talk about, John Vernon. Uh, uh-huh. John Vernon, again, is, he's one of these great guys. That he has a very distinctive voice. He has a very distinctive look. You see yes, him, you know who he is. Oh, yeah. Uh, Vernon, he did a bunch of things before his death. Uh, he was Dean Vernon Wormer, obviously, in this film. Yep. Uh, he was the dean of Faber College. He wants to revoke the Delta's charter, kick him off campus because of their partying ways. Uh-huh. Uh, Vernon has, he's appeared in so many films, uh, so many films, so many animated features as well. Um, oh. Yeah, he was Dr. Stone in Airplane 2, the sequel. Yes. Uh, which... Uh-huh. I, I have to say, I, I apologize, folks. That was probably yeah. one of the worst movies ever came out. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they they tried to capture lightning in the bottle, like with the airplane, the first one. Yeah, didn't just work. did not work for airplane. Did two. not work. Yeah, I agree. Uh, but he also played as Dave Ryerson on MacGyver. Uh, oh, uh-huh. And for those of you who are Batman the Animated Series uh, fans, he was the voice of Rupert Thorne on Batman the Animated Series. Oh. As well as being General Ross in the 1997 animal, animated series The Incredible Hulk. So, oh. again, very distinctive voice. You can totally hear it if you ever watch 
any of the episodes of Batman the Animated Series with Rupert Thorne. You'll hear his voice and you'll go, that's him. He's, you know, he, he also did another role on, on uh, Grim Adventures of Billy and Mandy, uh, for those of you who are, you know, a little younger who remember that show. Yeah. I apologize, guys. I don't remember what exactly the name of the character was he, he did. I just happened uh-huh. to see it when I was looking through IMDb. He's uh, done quite a bit of stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, he's, he's yeah. really kind of had his his big roles there. And, and I, I really shouldn't say big, giant roles because he's not been – like anything yeah. where you'd go, oh my god, I totally remember him as the star of this film. Yeah, yeah. But he has had a bunch of stuff. Um, you know, I, I know that he was in um, Outlaw Josie Wales as well. That was another yes. big film that he had. Yep. And I I apologize because I've never seen the film. <gasps> oh. I know, I know, I know. I w- I've never been a big Western fan. So. I'm not normally either, and that's what's crazy. I, I never really was either. My parents were, and they watched Clint, you know, all yeah. the time. Um, and then when I married my husband, he's big on Clint and has every single movie that he's ever made. Um, so just by default, by being married and having to, you know, I watched it. And I, you know, I thought, oh, I don't, I was kind of resistant to it. But yeah, Clint, yeah. Used to, that movie. My, is- my exposure to Westerns has pretty much been Back to the Future 2 and 3 when they have the scenes of, of yeah. Clint Eastwood wearing the bulletproof, wearing the, um, <laughs> you know, the door for the. Uh oven or for the door for the stove on his chest is a bulletproof vest but there you go. that's something i know we'll cover because i do want to cover back to the future i know i keep saying folks oh. we got stuff coming we have everything right now we've got a plan of movies going all the way through the end of 2013 yes we do. so you know i i'm not going to share it with you guys in case something changes it's not exact but we have a plan that's going through at least through 2013 and hopefully into 2014 as well Oh, so, we've got so much material we can cover. It's, so, uh, maybe we can do uh, Back to the Future in January. I'd like to. We'll we'll have to do something. We'll have to plan that out. So I, I want to do – when we do Back to the Future, we're going to do each episode. We're going to do each movie as a separate episode. Very so, cool. You know, yeah. I want to get through all those there so we can cover them so that we can we can give each one its due diligence. Absolutely. Uh, Moving down here, we're going to kind of jump into the plot a little bit, kind of talk about how this film was put together. Um, huh? I'm going to start off by saying right now, guys, it is not like you see a lot of films where, oh, yeah, the girl gets, you know, the guy gets the girl and and everything works out at the end. Well, the end of this film really doesn't do that. A spoiler alert, the end of yeah. the film, it, it does and it doesn't do that. You don't see yeah. it on screen them succeeding in a sense. No, no. Uh, what happens is that the film starts out, you have, you know, it starts out in 1962. It opens up to the school, the Faber College, which is a fictional school. Uh-huh. Uh, you see two college freshmen. They're Larry Kroger and, you know, Kent Dorfman. They're going around trying to find pledges. They start off at Omega House, and they're basically kind of just relegated as you're watching it. You see them kind of getting relegated with all the geeks and the nerds and the you know the losers type thing. They keep uh-huh. forcing them over. Hi, I'm the you know I'm the president. Yeah. Have you met these people over here? Well, yeah. yes. You know, and Flounders. You know, Kent Dorfman is sitting there and he's going around. He's trying to introduce himself to everybody, and you know they're like, oh well, come right over here. Nice to meet you. Well, have you met all, all these other people? Well, yes, I've already met them. And the president's walking away at that point. Pretty much <laughs> says, you're a loser. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh. You know, they, they finally, you know, they wash out of Omega. 
They decide they're going to go back to they're, – they're trying to walk around and find a frat house that they can join. They end up joining up with Delta House. Okay. Yeah. Um, there it's Delta Tau Chai or Delta Tau Chi as the full frat name. Is it Delta – is it – say Del- that again? I Delta Tau Chi, I believe is it, it is. Chi or Kai? Uh, Kai. I'm sorry. My, yeah, I, I, I'm sorry, guys. Kai. My Greek is really bad. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. Okay. Uh, yeah, Kent's brother was once a legacy. He he was once a frat member, so they're trying to get him in on a legacy. Yeah. And it's there's a scene later on where you see all the guys trying to decide whether they're going to pull him in or not, and everybody's like, "Boo, yeah. boo, boo!" Well, hey, you know he was, you know, his brother was a was a, a frat member, so we have to give him a legacy in, legacy ride in. Yeah. And so they they pull him in, you know. And they, they welcome into open arms, and mm-hmm. they're given new frat names of Pinto and Flounder. Yes. Okay. Now, Flounder, I, I'm still, I have my, my thoughts as to why they gave him the name of Flounder. I wondered about that, too. What, I think what do he you was think? just kind of floundering around in life and kind of like, I'm yes. you know, completely clueless. Yes, I agree. And a flounder is not a very, it's not a big, it's, I, I, I kind of looked at it also as that personality wise, but also because a flounder is a tiny little fish, isn't it? Oh no, they can, they can get to be pretty big, but they're and all they flat be, and they're ugly as sin. I wondered if it was a kind of a, uh, I don't want to say, I guess maybe an insult uh, to his looks, maybe. I, I wondered That's about possible. that show. Like, flounder. Hmm. Yeah. Now, I, I will also bring this up with Pinto. It was it was originally written into the script that what was supposed to happen was that in order for Kent to be brought in as a as a pledge, as to be accepted uh-huh. in, was that he had to tell one of Larry Kroger's secrets. Oh, uh-huh. And so he, you know, they ask him, the, and he blurts out in the original script, well, you know, Larry has a spot, he has spots all over his weenie. Oh, and so the, the joke was going to be that when they asked him, you know, because they said that when he gets to the point and they they call him Pinto and, and he goes, "Why Pinto?" and he and and Bluto goes, "I don't know. I I like the name or something to that effect." Well, originally yeah. what was supposed to happen was that everybody in, excuse me, everybody in the frat house was supposed to yell out, "Cause you got a spotted dong." Oh, really? So, you know, they I I don't know why they cut that, but they did cut it. Yeah. Huh, interesting. I did not know that. I was not so, aware of that. Yeah, well, now while all this is going on, we do come up one of the first times that we see Dean Wormer, he's basically uh-huh. sitting in his office and he's going on and on and on about what happens, you know, every springtime the toilets explode. This, you know, we have <laughs> toilet paper houses, we have this happening, we have that happening. Yeah. And who's the all cause the of it all? Delta House. <laughs> yep. You know, and so he he and uh, Omega frat president Greg Marmalard, they're plotting with him. Uh, you know, they're trying to get rid of the Deltas. Dean Wormer puts the Deltas on double secret probation so they can yes. get rid of the Deltas permanently. Uh, I, I, I got to ask, what the fuck is double secret probation? <laughs> okay, I, oh I, I saw that and I'm still like, <laughs> what the hell? Really? Yeah, I love it. You know, Nobody so, knew. That's great. Uh. You know, it was just it was goofy as hell, and I kind of just accepted it and went right on. <laughs> I think that was one of the things because everybody thought that that was absolutely hilarious, and I was just kind of like, "Yeah, I, you know, I, I'm sorry." Even you know, when I first saw it, I'm like, "What? 
the hell is so funny about that? Maybe that's yeah, part of the reason double, why I'm just like, okay. Double, you know, I didn't go to a big university for my college. I just went to, you know, junior college and then I got my bachelor's online. So I don't know if maybe there is a, when they, you know, when you get in trouble, if there is a, I mean, I'm sure there's no secret probation, but maybe I know, I know you can get, you know, on probation, but maybe there was, maybe it was a throwback to something that was done in colleges in the sixties and we're just not aware of the joke. I don't, I don't know. Maybe uh, I, I really don't uh, know, but yeah. uh, basically while all this is going on, you know, the flounder, he's kind of just teased and razzed by, you know, everybody in, uh, the Omegas, they're all giving him hard times. Uh, Niedermeyer especially. God, Niedermeyer I... gives him shit for having oh, his plaid skin on his uniform. Yes. Uh, Bluto and D-Day decide that Flounder needs to kind of like, you know, get a little bit of a backbone. Yeah. Uh, so they take and they sneak Niedermeyer's horse out. They put it into the dean's office. They, uh-huh. they pull it up there and they give Flounder this gun and they're like, here, you got to shoot the horse. You, know, oh, they gotta, you gotta take uh... care of it. And they walk out of it. Now, they loaded oh. the gun with blanks. Flounder uh-huh. stands there, pulls the trigger, and he's like, I can't kill this horse. Well, do you hate <laughs> Niedermeyer? Well, yeah. Okay, well, then shoot his horse. And they they walk out, and they're laughing, and they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So Flounder's like, okay. You know, I, he finally just points the gun in the air, pulls the trigger. Well, apparently the noise scares the horse so much, the horse has a heart attack and dies. I love it. I love it. You know. And it was just one of those things that was kind of like, Ugh! And they're going, <laughs> oh, crap. There were blanks in the gun. And, you know, D-Day pulls the gun apart. Yeah, there really were blanks in that gun. Oh, crap. They're, they're hauling ass out. And, and, and you see later on, you see the Dean, he, he, you know, he knows that it's the Deltas. Yeah. He knows that it's them. And, and he knows that there's the horse there. And he's sitting there and he's talking with with uh, some guy in his office. And the next thing you see after that, he goes, well, I hope that you take care of these Deltas. And, that the, you know, he's talking yep. with the mayor. That's what it is. Yeah, and he's talking to the mayor, and he says, and "The mayor says, well, I really hope that we don't have any problems here. Oh no, all the yeah. problems will be taken care of.' And right behind him, you see this guy who's standing there, and he fires up a chainsaw to get ready to cut the horse in half. <laughs> oh God, oh, you know, God. and it's just kind of like, oh jeez, okay, oh no, such debauchery. Oh, now the next day after that, because that takes place, and the next day you see them all in the cafeteria. Um, yeah, in the cafeteria, he's trying to convince Mandy to go out with him." You know, and you get the feeling like Mandy really does want to go out with with the Deltas. That he really does. She really does want to go out with with um, Otter. She acts outwardly disgusted, but there's definitely oh, yeah. there's definitely interest there. You can tell. Yeah, it well, was, and yeah. that kind of that kind of comes up. There is a little bit of an affair that goes on with them. Uh, yeah, you know, she does actually want him, and you know that kind of comes into play later on. Uh huh. Uh, you know, Mandy's dating Mar- Greg Marmalade. And there's this, there's several scenes in the movie where you see her and Marmalade. They're sitting in the car, and <laughs> she's there going, you know, it, it's quite obvious that what she's doing what she's is, doing, yes, you know, as a kid, as a kid I didn't get it, yeah. and then as I got um, to be a teenager and saw the movie, I'm like, oh, I know what she's doing. Yeah. Uh, Greg, uh, Greg, my was... arm's starting to get tired. <laughs> and then the rubber huh? gloves. I love the rubber gloves. I oh, just yeah. oh. Oh, it's hilarious. And and it's pretty obvious. And, of course, they're saving each other for, you know, for marriage. That's the whole thing. So, I mean, but that's what's going on. Um, But she's – anyway, she sits down at the table. Uh, Bluto grosses them out with his zip-popping imitation. You know, he puts mashed potatoes in his mouth, punches both cheeks, sprays mashed potatoes over all of them. And they're, like, so disgusted. Oh, 
<laughs> I'm a zit. Get it? I yes. love it. And I that to... sparks a huge food fight in in the thing. Oh. You no, know, in the cafeteria, they're all you know all the ROTCs chasing Bluto around, and he finally runs out. That was hilarious. I, I love that scene. And then was that the same at the beginning of that? Wasn't it? Uh, um, Bluto that you could see him going through and like eating a bunch of food as he's in the cafeteria yes. putting loading the food onto his tray. Yes. Now that like... whole cafeteria <laughs> scene, just so you guys know, that was actually all improvised and Landis was yes, just kind of like, he just started following him and he's like, okay, just stay with him. Follow it. Follow it. We're going to go with yes. it. Even the I'm a zit thing, that was improvised. That was improvised? Yes. They, look, they looked pissed and genuine, genuinely disgusted. Yeah. They were because they weren't expecting him to spray food all over them. Oh, I'll be darned. I did you know, I wondered about that because it was, but it was done so well. Yes. And they they managed to all stay in character. I'm shocked. Yes, (laughs) I am shocked. I didn't know that whole scene was improvised, but I love, he just grabs the food and it's just, it's like piled up so high and then he'll like sample it. Oh, it was hilarious. Yeah. Oh, now with all that going on, Bluto and D-Day decide they're going to steal the answers to the psych test so that they can all pass and, you know, bring their grades up to make themselves look better in front of Dean Warmer. Yep. Uh, The Omegas find out they switch out the answers and they all fail the test. Uh Uh-huh. Now that kind of gives Warmer some more fuel to get rid of their charter, to remove their charter. Uh, yeah. And so he's he's kind of bringing them into the office and he's calling them on the carpet on this. And that's kind of where the whole, you know, you've got a 0.0 grade point average. You've got this, you've got that going on. Uh, yeah. So they, they've got that. They are bummed. So they decide they're going to bring their spirits up and they're going to have a toga party. Uh-huh. Toga! Toga! Yep. yep. Everybody's heard, everybody who, who thinks of that, you know, even... Even since this movie came out, toga parties have become more and more popular, and everybody starts chanting toga. They don't necessarily know where it came from, but yeah. they all start chanting toga party yes. with weeks. Exactly. <laughs> this is where that scene came from. Uh-huh. Uh huh. They they throw the toga party. They invite us invite Otis Day and the Knights to come play at their party. Uh, yep. Wormer's wife shows up. No. Sorry. <laughs> Daughter's okay. asking if she can get up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they end up. They end up. Uh, Going through, Wormer's wife does show up. She has sex with Otter. Uh, Pinto <laughs> hooks up with a, with a girl he met at the supermarket, yep. uh, who later turns out he he turns out to find out that uh, she's thirteen. Now I was going to ask about that. That's a plot hole, isn't it? Can you have a job at thirteen in a supermarket? Well, that's the thing is that I'm... she's she's lying about her age throughout all this. Oh, okay, okay. I was I yeah. Even as a kid, I'm like. She's really 13? How the hell did you... But yeah, she didn't look 13. Yeah. She looked like she could pass for 16, 17, 18, so... Well, and, uh, and there's uh, there's a tidbit of information that I have a bit of trivia, but we'll get to that at the end. Okay, uh, yeah. Regarding that, but Wormer finds out about all this party. They they end up, he you know, uh, Pinto finds out that, you know, the girl, it, you know, he, he has her in his bed. She passes out. He puts her back into a shopping cart and leaves her... <laughs> On the front lawn and does a ding dong and ditch it. Oh, that was great! You know, oh. and once he brings oh. her home, then he realizes, "Oh shit, this is the mayor's daughter. I'm screwed. Exactly. I'm so fucked." Yep. Well, oh. Wormer finds out about all this stuff that happens from the party. He finds out that his wife has sex with with one of the students, you know, and all this. Oh. Oh. Uh, he organizes a kangaroo court. He gets the frat's charter pulled, bans them all from campus, basically. You know, rips everything apart. Uh, yep. Deltas take a road trip to forget their troubles. They finagle some girls from the nearby Emily Dickinson oh, College to go hang out with them. That was brilliant. 
brilliant. That whole scam was so oh. brilliant. Oh, I loved it. Oh. You know, and, and I'm going to say that the girl that they, the one girl that was wearing the gray top, the the one that they finagled, and you know that they the, it was the roommate. The roommate. She was actually yes. kind of cute. I kind of thought she was kind of cute was, there. She you was know. cute. Yeah. The others I, were like, "Oh my god!" There was one who uh, yeah. I, I'm looking at. Her, I'm going, "Oh shit, that's Velma from Scooby Doo." <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh my you god! Know, just, yeah, they, she was definitely the hottest one out yeah. of the. And I loved that whole thing about pretending his fiance died. Oh God! Well, and what gets me is that she's oh. is that she's making out with him, and and you know they're they're getting ready to have sex in the back seat of this Lincoln that they've <laughs> borrowed. Uh, that's Flounder's brothers, you know. Yes. And you know the whole thing is just like, oh my God! And I'm going, <laughs> you know. But they end up they they go to this bar. They they take this road trip. They find up. They end up at this bar, and it's basically. They're the only white people in the bar. Yes. And, you know, they come in, they're calling out to Otis Day, and Otis Day's like, yeah, I don't know who the hell these people are. <laughs> the look on his face. Oh, it was oh, yeah. Oh, God. You know, so he, they, he, you know, they all get expelled and all this. Uh, Dean, he ends up notifying them, notifying the draft board of their eligibility because all this is supposed to be going on right around the start of uh, Vietnam. Yes. So kind of he's like, here, this is what's going to happen. You're going to go and you're going to get drafted. I want you guys gone. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, it, it 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 really kind of at this point, it seems time for the Deltas to just kind of give up. And you think that, okay, mm-hmm. this is the end of it, you know. Yeah. And Bluto does this whole – he does this whole speech. I mean he's drunk off his ass obviously when he gives a speech. <laughs> uh, but he rouses them with this impassioned, historically inaccurate speech, you know. <laughs> Was it over when the Germans bombed Pearl Harbor? You know, I was like, what the hell? And, you know, oh. one of the guys points that out and he goes, what, what? And Otter goes, shh, shh, let him go. He's on a roll. He's on a roll. Just let him do it. You know, they decide they're going to take revenge on Wormer. Uh, the, mm-hmm. They're going to take revenge on the Omegas. They're going to kind of get them all. And they end up showing up at this homecoming parade that's going down the main oh, street. That was awesome. You know, they, they construct this whole rogue parade float. Uh, yeah. And they use, they use the Lincoln from Flounder's brother. They like yep. cut this thing to hell and repaint it, and they make it look like something straight out of Batman, you know, Batman oh. vehicle crossed with a tank. It was awesome. You know, uh, they go through this. You see the ensuing chaos. Everybody kind of goes together. Uh, you yeah. see Larry. You know, you see uh, Pinto. He shows up with the girl, the thirteen-year-old mm-hmm. girl, and <laughs> he <laughs> sneaks out with her the night before the homecoming parade. He sneaks yeah. out. He gets her to come down, and they end up having sex. And then after you know, after they have sex, she tells him that she's thirteen. Yes. So he doesn't know at first. He doesn't know until almost the end of the movie that she's thirteen. So it's kind of like, huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Now we do see the ensuing chaos. Uh, that we do see the futures of all the main characters uh, uh-huh. kind of being revealed as to what happens to them. Uh, my yeah. favorite is my favorite is with Niedermeyer because. You see yeah. Niedermeyer being just complete asshole throughout the entire film. They basically say that his his squad mates or his platoon killed him in Vietnam. Yes. Okay. Uh, uh, there is there is a there's a joke that they make in some show, and I forget what it is. It, it's basically an homage to this about fragging their um, they frag their squad mate or squad leader. Oh. And it's it's kind of an homage, and I forget what movie it was in. I, I maybe I have it in my trivia. Oh. I'm gonna have to look and see, but yeah, 
know, they go through all that. At the very end here, uh, one of the things that does come up is that we see Babs, who's Mandy Pepperidge's friend. Uh-huh. Uh, she's kind of helping the plot with uh, to get Otter because they end up the Omegas end up beating up Otter because they think that um, Otter is sleeping with with Mandy when in that's fact right. that's not actually happening. It's all just kind of them putting it together for it. Yes. Uh-huh. Uh huh. So at the very end of the film, you see Bluto. He kind of does this whole pirate, you know, pirate captain type thing, and he swashbuckles in, steals Mandy. They drive away in a car. And at the end of the film, you find out that he's supposed to be like a senator. I love it. You know, he was the most successful out of all of them. It was awesome. I was yes. like, that's so cool. He was, you know, he just pissed his way through the movie, you know, oh, and yeah. pissed and drank his way through the movie, and he ended up being a senator. I thought that was brilliant. Oh yeah, you know, so it's just kind of funny when you see all this here. Yeah. Uh, now, with regards to trivia, I've I've got quite a bit of trivia for this film. Oh, uh, good, because I, I I've only got a couple now. The film was originally filmed in uh, in Oregon. Okay, yeah. uh, yep. president of the University of Oregon only allowed this movie to be filmed on that campus uh, because yep. he decided he didn't know how to read screenplays. What mm-hmm. had happened was that in '67 uh, he had received the screenplay for a movie, but denied it permission to film there. Oh, now this movie happened to be one of the biggest movies of all time. Oh, I'm gonna guess. Was it The Graduate? Yep. I knew it. Yes. Yep. He he was uh-huh. uh, he was doing The Graduate and uh, yeah, yep. kind of wow. you know he he kind of passed on it. So it was kind of like um, okay, he liked that movie so much he decided he didn't want to pass on another opportunity. So he said, okay, Animal House, you can film here, but uh-huh. you cannot use the college's name. I don't want uh, the college name to be listed in the film credits. So it, while it was filmed there. People don't yeah. necessarily know that that's where it was filmed. No. I think by now it's been around. So I mean, it's been thirty years almost. Well, actually, yeah. Um, how many? How long? Let's see, it's seventy-eight. Yeah. Um, so I think it's kind of one of those things where, yeah, it's not listed, but people just kind of know. It's just it, it's it's become so well known that people. Oh understand. yeah. But yeah, so they didn't list it even in the credits. Uh, no, they did. They left it out. Oh wow! They I'll be left darned. It out. I wonder if it's because they didn't want the university's name to be tarnished by being associated, you know, well, being used. Yeah, and that was the thing is that he was kind of afraid because after he started reading the script, he's like, oh, shit, what have I done? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so they, he wanted sense. to leave it out, which I, I get that. I get that, you know. Yeah. Um, now, here we go. Remember when I was, I, I was just talking about this here with, with Niedermeyer? Uh, the movie actually com- – when the movie concludes by describing each character's fate, uh, and Niermeyer was killed in Vietnam by his own troops. Mm-hmm. Uh, John Landis directed a scene in the Twilight Zone movie. Mm-hmm. And there's some soldiers that are overheard in John Landis's section that are discussing fragging Niedermeyer. So there's the oh. homage to Niedermeyer. Okay, gotcha. Very cool. And didn't the whole Niedermeyer thing, wasn't there a music video in the 80s by Twisted Sister? Where it had yes. it was for it was for um, we're not going to take it. Wasn't he in that? Yes, in that as as that character. Yes, that was kind of his homage that they loved him so much they put him into their music video. Yes, I remember seeing that as a kid and going, "Oh my gosh!" Because of course I had seen Animal House many times, even as a, you know at that time, and was like, "Oh my gosh, there's Niedermeyer." Yep, very cool. Yep, uh, another another little bit. Um, I I love blues, so for me to see this here. 
the bass player in the band Otis Day and the Nights. Uh-huh. Um, he was then. He was at that time in '78. He was an unknown bluesman named Robert Cray. Uh, oh, Cray has okay. gone on to do so many other things. He played with the Doors for a while. Uh, I mean, uh-huh. he bounced around so many, so many different things. Uh, but he was really kind of the one that got the musicians together that appeared as the band in oh, wow. uh, the movie. So uh-huh. if it wasn't for Cray, we would never have seen Otis Day in the Nights. <laughs> oh, I'll be darned! I did not know that. Very yes. cool. Now. Another little bit that I have here, Babs, who was kind of friends with Mandy. She was one of those, uh, you know, she was one of the ones that was dressed up like, you know, uh, Jacqueline Kennedy, Onassis. Yeah, pearls and the big hair and the the cardigan and the skirt, yes. Uh, The joke for her was that at at the end credits was that she supposedly became a tour guide at Universal Studios. That's right. Now, the credits for this and other John Landis films contain an advertisement for a tour at Universal Studios. So if you were watching at the very end, they show the tour, you know, they want people to go and see it. Okay. Oh, yeah. Well, the ad at the very end of Animal House says, ask for Babs. That's right. Turns out that if you actually went to Universal Studios and you asked for Babs... Uh-huh. They used to give you either like free entry into the park that's or what a I discount. Thought, yes. I, that's right. I remember hearing about that. That's so cool. And they did that up until 89. And then in 89, they basically no long, they said we're no longer going to honor the Ask for Babs promotion. Yeah, they're losing money because <laughs> the movie was getting so, you know, yeah. was gaining popularity. So they're losing money by doing that. But that's so cool. I didn't realize they did it for so long. Yeah. You know, it, it's just, oh, it was just kind of one of those things that people, a lot of people didn't know. And it was kind of just a word of mouth thing. Yeah. You know, they did it as a joke. And, hey, it was cool. But then it started getting out. And it's like, okay, you know, yeah, we got to get this under control. Uh-huh. Uh, something else that with the cast, the original cast uh, it originally called it Chevy Chase, Bill Murray, Brian Doyle Murray, and Dan Aykroyd were originally supposed to play some roles in the film. Really? Yes. Now, they supposedly turned them all down due to prior commitments. However. Whoa. However, uh, with regards to characters like uh, Chevy Chase, uh, yeah. John Lannis, he was like, he was kind of looking at it because Ivan Reitman, he originally chose. Uh, Bill Murray and Chevy Chase for Boone and Otter. Uh-huh. And he kind of said, you know what? Because <sighs> they were starting to get to be really popular, and I was kind of like, okay, yeah. I really don't think you're right for this role. Landis said, he goes, okay. you know what, Chase, I want you to play in foul play instead. Mm-hmm. And so he he convinced Chevy to walk away and go do foul play. Oh, I was going to say, was it Fletch? Did um, he, or was Fletch after? Fletch was that in Fletch the, was well Fletch. after. Oh, okay. So he did foul, yeah, foul play. That's right. Okay. Uh, now, Dan Aykroyd... Uh, he was originally going to play the role of D-Day. Really? Okay. Yeah, he, he huh? basically the, – the role was written for him because of his whole motorcycle-loving personality. Yeah. All yeah. that. Uh, well, according huh? to John Landis, when John Landis wanted to cast him in the role, uh, uh-huh. SNL producer Lorne Michaels said – he told Aykroyd, he goes, look, you take the role, I fire you. Oh, damn. So Aykroyd was kind of like, yeah, oh, sorry, guys. Damn. My time on SNL is more important right now. Yeah, I'll be darned. So, you know, that was the, this is all, you know, what supposedly was happening. That's part of why they turned down the roles due to prior commitments. Yeah, yeah, that's really interesting. So, uh, and then of course, as you mentioned about Kevin Bacon, this was his film debut. It was also the film debut for Karen Allen, who was uh, Otter's girlfriend. Yeah, what else has she been in? She's been in, uh, there's something else that I'm picturing her in and I can't, I don't remember what it was. 
What was she's she in? Been, oh God, let me see. Because oh. she's done she's done other things, and I know that I've seen her and stuff. Um, yes, I, I can't. I you know I've seen her, and I it's gonna bug me now. I I've uh, seen her, and I can't remember the movies. Oh God, I really should have mentioned this. Yeah. Ah. Uh, she was Marion in Raiders of the Lost Ark and yes, Kingdom of the Crystal thank Skull. You, thank you. Yes, I just saw that about maybe about six months ago. I hate that. It bugs me when I see an actor or an actress and I can't play, and I know I've seen them and I yeah, can't play. And you're it just kind of like, where have her. I seen them before? Yeah. Yes, it just bugs the shit out of me. Or if I know what the person has done, but I don't remember their name, that bugs me too. Yeah. <laughs> Part of being the you know the uh, pop culture geek, I think it just bugs the shit out of me, and it shouldn't. It's just like okay, it's part pop pop culture geek and part obsessive compulsive geek. So, yeah. <laughs> oh. So uh, let me see. So what else do I have here? Oh, uh, okay. More money. Th- this is something that blows my mind because every time I see this sort of thing, I think that the movie is going to be a bomb. Uh-huh. More money was spent on advertising and promotion for the film than for the film itself. No kidding. Yeah. And anytime I see oh. like a shitload of, of advertising for a film, that's one of the first things yeah. that I think is it's going to suck. Oh, you know, well, they're trying to over-promote it. Uh, let me give you some examples. The Steve Martin yeah. version of The Pink Panther, they okay. promoted the hell out of that thing. They had all sorts of advertising movie tie-ins. They did. You're right. And it wasn't that good, was it? I never saw no, it. But... No. It was It was awful. So just uh, kind of one of those things. Uh-huh. Uh, last bit of trivia that I have for this film Um uh, when Landis had come up with the movie, they were going to have the whole Dexter Lake Club scene, which was where they go and they see Otis Day in the Nights at the Roadhouse. Uh-huh. uh-huh. Uh, Universal Pictures president, Ned Tannen, uh, he objected so strongly to that scene uh, that he oh, interrupted really? a screening of the film and ordered the scene to be removed immediately. Uh, the reason for it is that he said it's going to cause race riots in the theaters. Oh, okay. So Landis mm-hmm. goes, he, he pulls Richard Pryor in. He has Richard Pryor screen the film. Uh-huh. Uh, Richard Pryor then turns around and writes a note to Tannen, which read, Ned, uh-huh. Animal House is fucking funny and white people are crazy. <laughs> Richard. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. That's horrible. Okay. So, you know, you think about it. Here's Richard Pryor, who's basically standing around, and he's kind of just – he was the epitome of black people in the 70s, you know? Yes, he was. Yes. You know, and I hate kind of like saying that, but, you know. He told it like it was. You, you know, it was yeah. very – very out there, and if you got his stamp of approval, that was a big thing. Yeah, because, you know, I, I'm going to say this, you know, African-American community in that time, they loved Richard Pryor. Yes, they did, yeah. You know, and so if Richard Pryor said, go see this movie, hey, they were pretty safe. Yeah, exactly. Very cool. You know, so I always thought that was kind of, you know, I, I read that and I was kind of like, wow, that's pretty good. Pretty ballsy, but pretty good. Pretty good, exactly. So very cool. I did not know that. I did not know there was that tie-in to Richard Pryor for. Oh yeah. So I think that pretty much got gets it for what I've got. If you've got anything yeah. else, I don't really have anything other than I. I am proud to say, um, I lived in Eugene and Springfield, Oregon, back in the early two thousands, and. Uh, they had a thing. They did film the movie at the University of Oregon, but they also filmed that parade scene in a town called Cottage Grove, which is about uh, maybe 10, 15 minutes down the five from Eugene. And uh, I actually went to the 25th anniversary. They had a 
uh, 25th anniversary kind of celebration parade. Um, and I guess it was 25 years. I guess that was back in 2003, something like that. That's around the time I lived there. And I actually went and I wore a toga and the whole nine yards. And it was awesome. <laughs> it was so much fun. Everyone there was wearing togas and drinking beer. And there was debauchery. And it was controlled debauchery because there were cops on every corner. But it was down the main drag of Cottage Grove. And they haven't really changed it much. And I, and I did see the stores. You know, you could pay attention to the different stores that were in the movie and some of them were changed and some of them were still the same, but it was really neat. The whole vibe of that parade and where, you know, where it took place was just like the movie and it was so much fun. So I, I have to say, yeah, people were singing song, you know, Louie, Louie. And it was just so much fun. <laughs> you know, there was people that could talk, you know, toga, toga, quoting it. And, oh, it was so oh, much. Fun. You know, it, that, that reminds me, I do have a few quotes that we have to cover. We have to cover quotes. Yeah, there, there were so many of them from this film. I, I have a few that just really stood out in my mind. Yeah. You know, when they're all being, when you see all of the pledges being sworn in, and they start in, <laughs> repeat after me, I, state your name. I, State yep. your name. <laughs> you know, that was what that stuck with me. I'm like, really? Okay. And so that's, <laughs> you know, it's kind of one of these ongoing gags that people always do when they say state your name. Yes, I, state your name. Uh, and then, of course, course Kevin Bacon when he's being sworn in with the Omegas. Yes. And he gets hit on the rear with that paddle. Thank you, sir. May yes. I have another? I have another. I, I wonder if he still hears that phrase. Like when he meets fans, I bet you he probably does. Oh, I'm Thank sure he sir, does. I have another. I'm sure he does because that was his. Yeah, that was his main. That was his main scene in the movie, I believe. Yeah. Getting spanked by the paddle. Oh, that was awesome. Thank and then, you, of sir. course. Then, of course, at the end of the film, when we see one of the last scenes where we see um, Larry and, you know, we see Pino and the 13-year-old uh, daughter. Yeah. They come running up to meet the mayor, and, and she goes, Mom, Dad, this is Larry Kroger, the boy who molested me last month. We have to get married. <laughs> I was like, oh, my God. That was awesome. Awesome. Oh, and I'm trying to think. Um, yeah, of course, them singing Louie Louie. That was awesome. I love that yes. scene. Love the whole toga party and all the debauchery and just the, you know, the oh, Dean's yeah. wife sleeping with Otter. Oh, God. That was so much. Oh, that was just so funny. Um, oh, there, there is one other thing here that I, I did forget to mention. Uh-huh. With regards to sex and, and nudity on screen. Uh-huh. At the time, the girl who played as um, Chloret DePasto, who was, who was the daughter, the mayor's daughter. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. She was actually 18. So when you see her topless, yeah, that was acceptable. However, they were going to have a full on nudity scene where she was supposed to be having sex with Larry Kroger. Okay. Really? Uh, and uh -huh. they cut that scene out. It was, it was in the original theatrical film releases, but they uh -huh. cut it out because there was an issue here that she said that she was 13 and so they were worried that that was going to be causing a problem, even though she was actually 18. And she looked 18. She did not look 13. No. But yeah. No. Yeah. But they cut it out because they said that they didn't want to have, you know, anybody thinking that, you know, they were promoting uh, yes. promoting underage sex. Okay. So it was kind of like, okay. I, I, that makes sense. I am actually glad they did that. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was kind of good. It was kind of like, okay, you know, but – at the yeah. same time, they did have it in some of the theatrical releases, but when they went to video and when they went to DVD release, they pulled uh -huh. those scenes. 
oh wow i'll be darned so that's actually really good they did they were they were looking out they did not want to cause they they pushed the envelope but not so much to where it was going to be a very very bad thing so i could see yeah that's that's actually very cool so i think that pretty much does it for this episode unless you have anything more i think so Okay. I don't have anything more, unfortunately. I'm I'm sorry, but I I love this movie, and it's it's one of those I still have a fondness for. But it's also, yeah, I agree with you that for its time, it was great, um, and it still is great. And it's one of those movies that's I, I I feel that everybody should see it at least once. But I think that by today's humor standards, it it wasn't as ha ha funny. Yeah, and you know it was it was okay. I'll give it that. It's just. Yeah. I, I guess maybe because I've grown up and I've kind of become numb to some of this, yeah. some of this humor that it really wasn't as great as as some of the other films. It that was I've hyped seen. up. Yeah, it, it's been it's been hyped up enough so to where you're expecting just absolute greatness when you see it, and they all and I I have to say I mean John Belushi did an excellent job. All of the characters, Tim Matheson, they all did an excellent job portraying their characters, and the humor was pulled off. And I'm the cafeteria scene was by far my favorite, and knowing that it was improvised, awesome. Yeah. You know, so I give it that that these were brilliant, brilliant actors. Um, but yeah, and there were a lot of really cute and funny scenes in it. Um, but yeah, I, I agree that it was not something that I laughed all the way through. Yeah, it just, it was, it, you know, again, okay. Would mm-hmm. I see it again? I have. I've seen it twice. Yeah. Would I watch it after that? Maybe with somebody who hasn't seen it before. But I wouldn't, yeah. you know, voluntarily go and say, this is the greatest movie I've ever seen type thing. Exactly. Exactly. I, I so. agree. Yeah. All right. So I we're going to go ahead and wrap this up here. Uh, this does wrap it up for this episode of Talking About My Generation. Uh, I do want to say please leave us feedback on iTunes. It does help us out. Uh, we, we still have not gotten any feedback for the show here. So if you would, please just take some time. Go ahead and, you know, put this on pause. Or, you know, if you can multitask, go out and multitask. Go to iTunes. Click on our podcast and then leave us a review in there. Tell us what we're doing good. Tell us what we're doing bad. We'd love to hear it, you know. Uh, you can also send us a tweet. Let us know what you think of us. I am at S-P-R-Z-O-U-T. And I am at Mommy of 3C Girl. Okay. Uh, you can also send us an email at MyGenerationPodcast at gmail.com. Uh, you can find us on Facebook at Talking About My Generation. Uh, you can also go and visit us on the website at mygenerationpodcast.com. And we do have all of our episodes there, so it's not just the last 10. So if you want to see, mm-hmm. if you want to listen to uh, the first eight of them that are not on iTunes, you can certainly go and listen to them there, download them from there as well. Uh, cool. Now, I do want to kind of just give a quick mention here. Uh, next week, Eva is going to be taking a break. I am going to have uh, some guest co hosts. We're going to have uh, Jeff and Sarah from. Trivial Trivia Podcast. They're going to be on, and we're going to be covering... I, I'm going to go ahead and say this because I've already confirmed it. We're going to be doing uh, Princess Bride. So Very for those cool. of you who are fans, you know, and you want to hear about Fezzik, and you want to hear about Billy Crystal and Storming the Castle, that's what we're going to be talking about next week. Very nice. Uh, so if you would, please, if you take some time, go over and visit them. Uh, you can visit them on TrivialTriviaPodcast.com. Uh, and you can go listen to their podcast, check them out. They do a trivia podcast, and they're really great as well. Uh, So I'm going to go ahead and sign off this episode here. We are going to go out with the theme song for Animal House. All right. 
to the Pluto, to the Pluto, to the Pluto.